Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. It is a rainy day here by the window in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. We are um, experiencing the bands of rain and thunder and lightning from Hurricane Ida, which devastated New Orleans and Louisiana, which is awful. Um, and yeah, so this is nothing compared to being powerless for two weeks in 90 degree heat. But um, but yeah, it's raining. So that means I'm not running first thing in the morning because I don't want my shoes to get squishy because that drives me crazy. And um, so I will hopefully run in a break later. But if I don't, it'll be my rest day, I guess, which I haven't had in a few weeks. But anyway, it's been three weeks as predicted since the last episode because we were on vacation and out of town last week, which would have been the two-week um, sort of period. And yeah, so we'll get to that in a second, but um, I guess I'll just go over some of the stuff happening in the neighborhood. Uh, the big news, at least for me, is that our library reopened for the first time since um, March of 2020. The Carroll Gardens Library, which is around the corner from us, has finally reopened, and it's kind of fully reopened, so you can go in. Um, you have to wear a mask, uh, which is good. But I can now do my library book picking up and returning um, in Carroll Gardens, as opposed to going to Red Hook, which is what I did for a year and a half, um, and which I very much loved. Um, I didn't love the inconvenience of having to go there to pick things up, but... Um, it was a great branch, even though I've still never gone in all the way. I've just been in the first 10 feet. But um, they have great librarians there, and it was just a good vibe and good good signage and little, like, to-go things for kids. And um, I like the Red Hook Library, and I'll be back, um, even though it is great to have the Clint, the uh, Carroll Gardens Library on Clinton Street open again. Um, other news in the city, or in the neighborhood, I mean, mask report everything's the same from the last time which is people are back to wearing masks mostly i would say indoors um there there's there isn't the there had been some people wearing masks all the time outdoors too um a few weeks ago when the delta variant was really sort of on the um rise um that's actually like simmered down a bit um there isn't as much like just full-on mask wearing outside uh, there is some, there are some people doing it, um, but yeah, uh, but definitely I'm still wearing masks inside, like obviously in places like Trader Joe's or when I go into a store or deli. And even when I now go to my beloved bar, Great Harry, I'm wearing a mask inside when I go in to use the bathroom or, um, place an order. Um, and I sit outside and hopefully things will be better when it gets cold. We'll see. And hopefully... Oliver will be vaccinated before it gets cold. We'll see. Um, so, in the other, oh, speaking of Bargrade Harry, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting there listening to music and um, writing or doing crossword puzzles by myself, sitting outside, when all of a sudden I looked up and there was my friend Sam Slaughter, um, Williamsburg resident and fellow member of the um, neighborhood Carroll Gardens um, Bourbon Club led by uh, the esteemed Matt Tyson. So Sam was there. Um, he was getting a beer killing time before dinner or something. 
And so he sat down and we caught up for the first time in person in <laughs> uh, like 18 months. So that was great. Great to see Sam. Um, and then actually speaking of out of out of neighborhood friends at Bar Great Harry, uh, my old college friend Laura Applebaum was in town Saturday, just a few days ago. And she w- came down from Nyack, where she lives, to simply get away by herself. And she rode her bike around and went to breweries, which sounds like a great Saturday. And um, so we met up. She came to Red Hook with me and Oliver, who was riding his bike. And then later on, she and I um, had a beer at Bar Great Harry. So that was cool, too. Um, great to see Laura. And we were discussing, amongst other things, um, our college friend Clint Connor who is running for mayor of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, Clint's family is from the Twin Cities, and when I met Clint freshman year of college on my freshman year hall, he had just come from Marquette, Michigan, where he went to high school, and he sort of moved around in the upper Midwest, um, which is kind of like me, so it's like he's moved around a lot of places. I always feel a kinship with people like that. Anyway, he's a lawyer. He lived in New York for a few years, although... We were out of touch when he lived in New York, when which was like 20 years ago. Um, but we got back in touch at some point um, years ago from from today. But uh, anyway, he's back in Minneapolis. He has two kids or three kids. I don't know. But he's, um, he's married with um, a wonderful person who I've met before. And he's a lawyer. So and he is um, very progressive, which I am, which um, I'm excited about. And yeah, he's running for mayor. So um look him up clint connor for mayor of minneapolis um so yeah good luck to him um let's see so the big news is we went on our um family vacation which this is the fourth or fifth iteration of the giant family vacation which means me julian oliver um, my brother and sister-in-law upstairs and my nieces so that's seven and then julie's parents so that's nine um so nine of us in the past have gone to Hawaii to visit um, their aunt. We've done that several times. Um, we've gone to Europe. We've gone to Alaska. And this time, since we didn't want to fly anywhere because everything is so weird and we just want to drive somewhere outdoorsy, we drove to Maine and we went to Acadia National Park. So I was born in Maine, but I've never been north of, um, I don't know, like Freeport, basically. Um so we drove up. So basically the trip started with a stopover in Boston. So we drove up to Boston. Um, this was just me, Julie, and Oliver. We drove separately until we got to Maine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And we checked into a hotel in Cambridge. And right away I went and met my old high school friend Carl um, at Fenway Park. And um, Carl's <clears throat> not only a high school friend, he provided the second place I ever lived in New York, um, which I lived on and off at on 112th and Broadway because he was a grad student at Columbia at SEPA. And then Carl lived in New York City and Brooklyn for 15 more years. And we were as close as ever. And then he moved away to Boston. Um, But yeah, so it was great to see Carl. We went to Fenway. I'd never been to Fenway Park before, and this was actually the second ballpark that I've been to this year for the first time ever, the other being PNC Park in Pittsburgh. So I saw two gems this year, Um, and Fenway is way better than I even could have hoped. Obviously, when you're inside the actual, you know, in your seats, the ballpark's great, 
it's um intimate and cozy and weird <laughs> the seating is so weird the sight lines are odd i love all that but the quote-unquote corridors you know where you buy stuff and walk around underneath the um, seats i didn't realize how cool that was because like wrigley in chicago is old and when you walk those corridors it's packed and tiny and like not that awesome except for the fact that it's super old and you're like well this is packed and tiny and you know not comfortable but at least it's old so that's cool i guess but fenway is like old and wide open and awesome and you're just kind of under the you know the sort of steel seating and it's just a lot of steel beams and lots of room and i loved it um i cannot wait to go back to fenway park and man if i move to boston for some odd reason at this point in my life i can see myself becoming a red sox fan just because that place is so cool um the drunk college kids that were all there on mass in large groups of like 10 and 15 was not cool but um yeah one of them was yell in our section we were in the bleachers one of them was i mean classic 20 year old hammered you know kid with like just out of control surfer curly hair and bloodshot eyes from being drunk and probably more and um he was yelling shit at the Oops, sorry. He was yelling, well, he yelled that word at um, a pitcher in the Rangers bullpen, in the visitors bullpen, and the usher shut him down right away and threatened to kick him out. And uh, he was like, the next time you're out of here. And I said to the usher, I was like, throw him out now. And at that point, the usher was our bud, and he likes talked to us for the rest of the game um, about random stuff. Um, and so we learned a lot about the season in the bleachers in Fenway and how's, how it's been going. And he told us that, yeah, there's a lot of drunk college kids because there's a $9 college ticket special in August <laughs> in the bleachers. Um, and so that made sense. Um, so anyway, so we went to Boston and the game was great. The Red Sox got like blown out by the Rangers, who are the second worst team in baseball, if not the worst. Um, and then the next day it was raining because of Hurricane Henri, if you remember Hurricane Henri from a few weeks ago. Um, so I got in a run along the Charles River before it started coming down. And by the time I came back to the hotel around 9, it had started to like steadily rain. So we went up to my friend Carl's house, which is in Melrose, and caught up with his wife, Joni, um, who I hadn't seen in a few years, and their three kids, um, only two of which I'd met because the third one was born in Boston. And they are amazing, <laughs> and it was great. And um, we had a great time there. We also saw one of Julie's um, college friends up, who lives a couple blocks over randomly from my friend Carl. Um, and luckily they had porches. We just all hung out outside. And then we got in the car to drive north. And as we were starting to drive up north on 93 and 95 and then up into New Hampshire, it really started pouring. And when we crossed into Kittery, um, you cross the Piscataqua River Bridge into Kittery, Maine on 95. We pulled over at the Welcome to Maine Center, Welcome Center, um, which is like not a service plaza as much as it is like a rest stop and a log cabin and literally is a Welcome to Maine thing with just tons of brochures and little like museum-like displays in the lobby, and I loved it. But I was looking at um, the radar map of the weather, and these hurricane bands were like traveling counterclockwise as they do in a way where we would have if we were continuing to drive northeast on 95 up into Maine we would have co it would have coincided exactly with driving along 
an entire armband of this system because it was cir- circulating in a way where like we w- never would have driven through it. We would have continually stayed in it. So we just waited for 45 minutes at this welcome center and waited for the weather to pass. And finally it did. And then we drove up north. So we drove up 95 and 295 up into all the way up to, um, I guess, Augusta. And then we got off um, and went on Route 3 over to Belfast, cute town um, along the water. And then up Route, is it 3? Yeah, well, it is still 3 or 1. 3 and 1. Up to Bar Harbor. And so got to Bar Harbor. We stayed at the Holiday Inn, which is a, you know, quote-unquote resort. It's a very northern-y resort. Um, I loved it had a pool heated pool had a little tiki bar next to the pool which was like open on all sides (laughs) so you could sit in this bar but it was like all it was basically outdoors Um, and they had a great restaurant on the water and wow highly recommended if you have um, kids Um, I mean it would be a fine hotel too um, if you're just you know a couple but great for kids so this was my first time going to a destination national park, and I didn't know how it worked logistically. And even when you read little books and everything, which I guess I should have bought a Lonely Planet for Acadia, but I never got around to it. I love buying Lonely Planets. But um, I didn't realize how national parks work, which is that you buy a car pass, unless you're going to go without a car. You don't need one, but usually you would bring in your own car, I guess. And um, And then once you get into the park and they check your you know pass and everything and you're in, you're in this like you're cut off roadwise from the world you know the roads in the park are like self-contained they're not like street roads i mean they're you know regular roads you drive your car on but there's no stoplights there's no like other roads coming on you're not going to get through traffic it's a self-contained system and i didn't really realize how that all works and there are general roads that everyone kind of takes and then you go off the beaten path and then if you really want to go in the interior or whatever, you know, you just hike far away from the road. And so now I kind of got the lay of the land on parks, and I can't wait to go to more national parks. But in Acadia, if you've ever been, there's a loop road that runs first alongside the sort of ocean cliffs, the rocky cliffs on the east side of the park, then loops down around, and then up into the interior past these beautiful interior lakes, Jordan Pond, um, Bubble Lake. And then in the center of it all is Cadillac Mountain, which is the highest mountain as close to the ocean, um, I can't remember the distinction, but it's the tallest mountain right on the ocean um, along the entire eastern seaboard. Um, and it's only 1,800 feet tall, but it feels <laughs> taller than that when you're up there. And um, yeah, so first day we went in, all of us, we went to the visitor center. Then we had our two cars worth and kind of just drove along. We parked near Sand Beach, went to Sand Beach, hiked along the ocean road, hiked back to our car. Um, then we stopped at Otter Cove, which is a quiet little cove um, with water on both sides and a tiny little beach. We're talking like 30 yards long. Um, it's like an isthmus, and um, it was great. And then, um, yeah, just kind of drove more around in the park, getting off at different, parking the car at different spots. Like you literally just stop your car and get out and walk whenever you see something cool. Um and then that day, that night had dinner. The next day, more running. I would run every day into town through Bar Harbor and back. And the third day, I ran across the sandbar for which Bar Harbor is named Bar Harbor. And, um, and yeah, the sandbar, I didn't realize, would be like, like 
hundred feet wide. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, second day we went back in the park. Oliver did not like all the crowds the first day, so we found a kind of easy kids hike in the interior, um, Jessup Path, and we at several points we had this path to ourselves. We couldn't see any other human, and he would like find these little bubbling brooks and like squat down and just stare into the stream and it was beautiful and that was like okay this is like great um and then later that day what did we do oh then we went up cadillac mountain um that second day and you can just see forever and it's gorgeous um and it, the summit is very wide like there's a parking lot at the top visitor center gift shop and you can walk far out under the rocks and there's technically a trail up there it's it works out to being a half mile but it's just like you know you're always in view of the the cliffs and the rocks you're never you know far away um and you buy a separate pass for the cadillac mountain access so they have a second booth at the bottom there and i think that's just to like you know maintain uh you know capacity um so i'm glad they do that so um we did that and then that night had dinner in across the street from the hotel, actually, at this restaurant. And um, so then the third day, which is the day we were supposed to leave, I woke up at 5 o'clock a.m. for no reason, wide awake. And I thought to myself, should I go back to sleep or should I get up and drive into the park and watch sunrise? So I told Julie I was leaving. I don't even think she heard me. I got in the car i was in the park along the ocean cliffs at at a, at a place called thunder hole at 5 35 a.m and sunset was at 5 49 and there were eight other people like two groups of three and a group of two on these huge expanse of rocks at um at 5 35 and then sunset came and there was like clouds far away in the horizon so sunset we didn't really see the sun until like six and then it was just amazing, just this orange, bright orange light hitting us and hitting the rocks, which are already like brown, like light brown. It was incredible. It was a really magical moment. I couldn't believe it. And I felt like I had the place to myself. And I got back in the car, drove along the road, and I must have I must have stopped like three times on the road in the next five minutes because the vista was so gorgeous. Stopped at Otter Cove where it was low tide and you could walk a hundred feet out. <laughs> um, and then I went to Jordan pond, which is a popular place and which we couldn't stop at cause the parking lot was at capacity the previous two days. And there was only two other cars in the parking lot. And I hiked around Jordan pond a bit. Um, Oh man, it was awesome. So I spent two hours in the park from five 30 to seven 30 by myself. And it was incredible. Um, and then stopped in town on the way back to the hotel, got iced coffee and got Oliver a muffin and then we packed and drove south um, to Portland. And we drove down Route 3 to Belfast and then Route 1. And we went down through Camden, which is a very cute town if you've never been there. We stopped for iced coffee and ate bathroom break. And we went to this really cool third wave, as they call it. Look it up. Third wave coffee shop called Zoot Coffee. Um, I noticed on Foursquare that like three other Foursquare friends of mine had been there in the past. So I guess it's a popular spot amongst us Foursquare using third wave coffee uh patronizing people um and then we drove farther south uh through what's the next town well wiscasset we crossed the bridge i think it's called the wiscasset bridge and we drove by the famous reds eats lobster stand which is at the end of the bridge right in wiscasset 
and I, I would have, it's probably the most famous lobster shack in Maine, and I would have loved to stop, but we were in a hurry, we were tired, and it was, there was a line there, not as long as I guess I've heard in the past, but like, it looked like it was 10 or 15 people long, so I didn't feel like subjecting Oliver to that weight. Um, so then we drove down through Bath, and then Route 1 becomes kind of a highway again, and we stopped in Freeport to go to L.L. Bean, which I had not been at since, been to since like 1991, and got a picture of Oliver in front of the big boot outside, of course, and it was cool to see L.L. Bean. He was not in the mood to stay. I would have loved to stay and like maybe buy something, but we stayed about 20 minutes, um, and then we went to the main brewing company. They are a great brewer that make a lot of bottles. They don't make cans. And if you've you've probably seen in Trader Joe's or or if you live in New York, they've started to distribute here more um, widely in the past year. But they're those beer bottles that have a white label, really nice small font. It says Maine Beer Company. It says Maine Lunch IPA. So if you've seen that bottle, Maine Lunch, and it's a white label on a dark bottle can, um, that's Maine Brewing Company. So we went to their brewery in Freeport, which is about half a mile from L.L. Bean and all the um, outlets. And it's just a great, it's just like what you would expect a brewery these days to be. It's like in a barn, but it's completely renovated. It's all like nice, refinished, bright wood, high lighting, exposed, <laughs> exposed piping. I loved it. And Oliver came in with me. I forced him to. We stayed five minutes, not even. It was just the most annoying, cliched, like he was pulling on my arm to leave, kind of making a scene. So I quickly bought four bottles and we got out of there. Four bottles and two stickers, because I love buying stickers. I'm looking at them right now. Um, and then we drove into Portland and we found our hotel in Portland in the center of town on Congress Street. And I had not been, well, so I've, I haven't been to Maine in 30 years since we lived in Connecticut and my parents would drive us up a few times a year. Um, so my history with Maine is that I was born there in a town called Biddeford, south of Portland. And my dad lived there from like age 13 to age like 40, 42. Um, and also even before he was 13 and moved there, he was visiting Maine a lot um, when he lived in Montreal. And, and uh, there's like our family just has a lot of back and forth between Montreal and Trois-Rivières, Quebec and Maine. And back in the 30s and 40s and 20s when my dad was there in 50s, the border was just so porous. There was hardly a border. It was just like back and forth, but people between Quebec and Maine. Um, and my grandparents, the musicians, as you know, they performed a lot in Old Orchard Beach on the pier where my dad lived. And, and then in Montreal, they performed in jazz clubs and on radio stations there. Um, so that's the connection to Maine. So I hadn't been there in all this. Even all these years in New York, I've never gone up to Maine. Um, I've always wanted to, but we finally did it. And Portland is really cool. Um, it's actually a little rough around the edges, but that's that's probably what you get for being the big city in northern New England. Um, it has a West Coast vibe in that way almost. And um, But yeah, what a beautiful city. And it's just like on this incredible, bizarre peninsula. Isthmus again. <laughs> actually not Isthmus, it's just a, a weird peninsula. And... Yeah, so the first night we all ate lunch, dinner at Luke's Lobster, which if you're in Brooklyn, you may recognize that name because they have a cart here near the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, and let's see, the second day we took a ferry out to Peaks Island, walked around Peaks Island, came back, um, walked around the old port again, and then I had a day of walking by myself to breweries in the East End. So I went to Bellflower, which is a brewery 
somewhat owned or partnered by a friend of um of mine named Rick. Um, it's uh so Rick's friend was there. Unfortunately, his friend was not there when I visited, but I really enjoyed my visit visit to Bellflower. Oh, and on my way to Bellflower, I walked by Oxbow, and I was like, oh, I got to go into Oxbow. So I went into Oxbow and had a small glass of beer. Um, but yeah, Oxbow, which you know is probably well known if you're a beer drinker, um, and Bellflower, though, if you're ever in Maine, or if you see Bellflower anywhere, buy it. It's great. Oh, and I bought some cannabis while I was up there. I bought some gummies at a place called OMG, which is funny. It stands for Organically Maine Grown. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, <laughs> um, I guess I'll let you know how they are. And what did we do that night? We had another dinner in the old port. We ate at Scales, which is an expensive seafood place. And it was really nice and really awesome. And then Friday, the final day of our trip, we drove south. The three of us, me, Julian, Oliver, drove down to Old Orchard Beach first, which is about eight miles south of Portland. And this is where my dad lived as a kid. And it turns out it's where he lived with my mom, too, when they first got married. And this, both of those were in the same house, which is insane. So my mom told me the address. I found it. It is one block from the beach and the pier and the Ferris wheel and the amusement park. It's incredible. Like, this is very desirable real estate location-wise. But back then, they just lived in this house near the, near the amusement park, near the pier and the beach. Um, so it was like, looks like it was a five minute commute for my grandfather who used to play music every night on the pier in the summertime. Um, so that was incredible. We took pictures in front of this house. I wonder who lives there. I have a feeling it's like an Airbnb type thing. Um, but we'll, who knows, I should look it up and see who owns it or see what the deal is. Um, and that was kind of emotional for me because I wish my dad was around to tell him about it, but of course he's not around anymore. So I just kind of imagined him there as a kid. Um, and I re like, what do we do after that? We couldn't park because it's such a resort town. There was no parking except for like $15 all day parking, which we didn't want to do that to walk around for 20 minutes. And there's no parking on my dad's street, um, which I think is purposeful to keep away people just looking for a place to park so close to the beach. Um, so we didn't stay. We just kind of drove through. Then the next thing is we drove to the next towns, Saco and Biddeford. And Biddeford is an old mill town um, dominated by, this is about, again, 10, 10 minute drive um, from Old Orchard Beach. Saco is dominated by the Pepperell Mill, which is a classic northern New England like mill along a river. And it's this huge six story tall, very long building. And my dad worked there when it was a mill, and it is now no longer a mill. It is one of those places that you would find in Dumbo or other places with huge warehouses where it's become like there's studios in there and little restaurants and coffee shops and breweries and shops. And it's one of those things. Um, so that was nice, and I got to see the town I was born in. And then we just drove through much traffic on the way <laughs> on the way back to Brooklyn. Um on 495 and 93 and 95 and 90 and 84 but whatever um i can deal with traffic and that was our trip that's the big update this is already maybe the longest life report in eons beyond that i can hear oliver waking up so i'm going to wrap this up let's see records i've listened to i'll give you quick three quick ones a Sky Record by Damon Naomi, who used to be in Galaxy 500, and they've made like many, many records as Damon and Naomi for decades now. Very dreamy and good. 
My City of Starlings by Charles Spearin, who's in Broken Social Scene. Um, very, it, it sounds like those instrumental Broken Social Scene tracks from the classic era. Um, so it was enjoyable if you like that. And I listened to Big Red Machine, which is Aaron Dessner's record with or group with Justin Vernon and many, many associated friends of mine. <laughs> um, and it was outstanding. I highly recommend the new Big Red Machine record, which is called um, How Long Do You Think It's Going to Last? And that is it. I will wrap it up here in under 29 minutes, I hope. So, yeah, it's raining here by the window in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Um, this has been episode 69. Nice of the Conrad Life Report. And I will see you guys next time. Stay safe and, um, yeah, talk soon. Bye.